your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Three and two the count on Bryce Matthews. Two outs in the inning. Zach Thompson's pitch. Drill to left field. Tucker Flint going back, looking up, and it is gone. Grand slam. And a baby Bryce Matthews just whacked one off the tree in left center there. Worth four runs. And an exclamation point for the Big Red here in the eighth inning. They've scored a touchdown and a PAT here in the eighth inning. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And the Huskers are into the Sweet 16 after disposing of Texas State in straight sets this afternoon. And they're going to get a Sunday matchup with the Baylor Bears, who survived a five-setter against Pepperdine earlier in the day. We don't have times yet. Those will be set tomorrow as the round of 32 continues tonight with eight more matches. We'll keep you apprised of how those are progressing as the evening moves along. So glad you're with us here tonight. Full three hours coming your way of Sports Nightly here on a Thursday night. It's our last show of the week as we have Husker baseball tomorrow uh, as they take on the Penn State Nittany Lions, Nebraska In-State College. They'll have a workout tonight and then get ready to open the series against Penn State at 5 o'clock Central tomorrow. We're on the air on the network with pregame coverage at 4.30. We'll talk more about Husker baseball with Nick Hanley, who's along this weekend with me for the call. We'll talk to him in hour number two. Not only do we have Husker volleyball this afternoon, but the head basketball coach met with the media, Fred Hoiberg, today, talking about a lot of things that have happened since the season ended. Nobody had, Nobody's really sat down with the coach since... Uh, the season finished up a month ago in Indianapolis at the Big Ten Tournament. He went over the recruiting class that has come in, the additions of, of Wiltshire from Xavier, uh, the big man from Lithuania who signed with Nebraska. He's made some tweaks to the coaching staff. So a lot to cover. We'll hear some of his clips from that press conference later on in the hour. We'll also, um, Ben's going to chat with John Bader, get a recap of that That's a sweep for Nebraska. Hour three, oh boy. It's just is not even going to be fair tonight. They have to face off. Josh puts his title on the line. I've had a long day of travel. I probably may not even be awake at 8 o'clock to do that, but we'll uh, we'll give her a go in the face-off. And we have our Flicks picks tonight as well. And we want you to be a part of the program at any point in time, 531-500-4686, the number to call or fire off a text, utilizing our text line brought to you by U.S. Cellular, U.S. Cellular the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics and connecting Husker Nation. Well, pretty impressive today, Ben. The team had not played in about three weeks, the Huskers, and yet no trouble taking care of a, of a Texas State team that recently has beaten Baylor, who Nebraska will play on Sunday, and then uh, won fairly handily yesterday over Utah Valley. Pretty impressive performance by the Big Red. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously, um, you you were concerned about rust, you know, specifically early in that first set, and I think it played that way. Um, you know, the early portion of the first set, but you really saw Nebraska pull away, and Texas State battled there in set three. But other than that, I think you've got to be pretty pretty pleased if you're John Cook um, with moving on. And you know, there they he had said all week that their attention was on today, not not knowing anything about their next match and they still don't know anything about their next match of uh, of wh- where it will be played what time will it be played and all that they know they're playing Baylor on Sunday that's about it so uh, other than that he's, he's got to be pretty pleased with their effort and they're still hanging around in the tournament 
Good day for the Big Ten, at least to this point. Ohio State swept Missouri. Purdue took care of High Point. They did not lose a set. Nebraska swept Texas State. Wisconsin, the number one overall seed playing tonight. Same thing with Penn State and Minnesota. So the Big Ten with a strong start to the NCAA tournament. No Big Ten teams had to play yesterday as all of the Big Ten teams in the field were in the top 15. So they all got buys in round number one. But a really impressive start to the league. And I think we all know that this league is unbelievably good at the sport of volleyball. So we'll keep you posted on some of the, how the matches are going tonight throughout the program. All right, NCA news. Ben, some of this was expected today. The one-time transfer rule was made official today. Uh, the deadlines will be May the 1st every year for football, uh, for the fall and spring sports, which are fall and winter sports, rather, which would be football and basketball. The spring sports deadline will be July the 1st. Again, one-time transfer. It has now been officially approved by the NCAA. The other thing that came out today, and we haven't talked a lot about this, is that we're going back to normal recruiting starting June the 1st. Since the pandemic uh, hit this country over a year ago, there had been no on-campus recruiting. Coaches could not go off campus and have personal visits. That all returns to normal on June the 1st, so about six weeks away. We've probably seen some hints of this because Nebraska football has been lining up a bunch, and I mean a bunch of official visits that first week of June. So everybody has been anticipating that this would happen, but here you go. It's now open up June 1st. Basketball coaches can get out and go to their summer camps that they always go hit watching prospective student athletes i know the baseball staff will be excited because they can get out and start watching legion ball summer ball all that starting to june the first you knew it had to come at some point in time and I'm, I'm i think we're at the point now where everybody feels comfortable that they can do that starting june one yeah and i th- and i do think however that some of the the practices over the last year in 2020 will be here to stay you know of, of zoom calls and other ways to engage with athletes um, aside from just the traditional ways. However, that's not a way to, to to live and die by in recruiting. You need kids on campus, especially in a place like Nebraska. You've got to find ways to get kids here and, and see what you have to offer, especially um, you know those, those kids that aren't familiar with the Midwest. I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many players I've talked to over the years that knew nothing about Nebraska until coming here. And, and then just ha- being in shock and in awe of, of what this place has to offer. So, yeah, absolutely. To get that, to get that back, I think, is, uh, is huge for, for all the sports. But just as a whole, for, for our, our programs here in the state of Nebraska, I think it, it's huge to, to, to be able to, to get kids here again. So, yeah, big big news, two big changes for the NCAA today. Not necessarily a change, but finally opening the gates up for uh, in-person recruiting, either going out and seeing prospective student-athletes or allowing them to come onto your campus for paid visits. Uh, man, we've been shut down since this thing hit mid-March a year ago, so it's a long, long time. And you're right, I think that, that the coaches learned some things that they can maybe maybe keep doing, incorporating that as they move forward, but certainly the in-person contact and traveling to their schools and seeing them on their home turf I think still means an awful lot to these prospective student-athletes. Why wouldn't it? I mean, you're thinking about where you're hopefully going to spend the next four to five years of your life, although now with the one, one-time transfer rule, that might not be quite as solid as it has been in the past. But uh, nevertheless, both those things passed and were announced by the NCAA today. So full show here on the program tonight. Again, Ben's going to sit down with JB here in a little bit and talk about 
the uh, Huskers' first round or second round win. This is actually the second round of the NCAA tournament today, the straight set sweep of Texas State. And we'll go back through Fred Hoiberg's press conference from earlier today, pick apart what the head coach had to say about uh, his team, his program, and his taking some changes on not only with uh, personnel with the roster but you know, with the coaching staff as well so we'll get into all that here on the program tonight ben's back with jb off and rolling here on a sports nightly thursday ben mclaughlin greg sharp with you it is our final show of the week nebraska baseball in-state college taking on the penn state nittany lions tomorrow with the first of three games here on the Husker Sports Network. Speaking of the Husker Sports Network, we were busy today as Nebraska volleyball back in action against the Texas State Bobcats and somebody who's doing overtime for us, Mr. John Baylor, the voice of Husker Volleyball, sticking around, giving us a few minutes. JB, how are you, my friend? Happy. That was a nice win. Three-set victory over Texas State. It was 10-10 in the first, and, and it was a tight match, and it was all Nebraska thereafter. JB, let's um, just get the... the kind of the elephant in the room out of the way here and so much talk this week about the setup and you know what type of conditions the players would have to be playing in what from what you could tell uh from the camera views and everything that you heard from the folks over there what what did you think of the setup over there well they're doing the best they can ben but uh, the ceiling is in play it's not a particularly high ceiling and twice during the texas state match the ceiling actually uh made contact with the volleyball and then that the players had to react to that so that's something you don't normally see also there we could hear a whistle in the background it apparently did not affect the players they grew up, I guess, playing these huge volleyball select team tournaments where you got courts all over the place and whistles, and, and they can kind of just laser in and focus on, on the, the match they're playing. So it didn't seem to affect them uh, or, or the Huskers uh, a whole lot. And, and on, uh, you know, we're big radio fans, but I guess the visuals for the TV look pretty good because they're playing on the UNO or the, U- the University of Nebraska or the, or the Creighton. Terraflex floors, so they're doing the best they can under difficult circumstances. All right, so there we go. We have the uh, the obligation out of the way. Let's let's chat some volleyball. Let's just start first with what you were expecting. The team hadn't played in what almost three weeks. So what what were you expecting and hoping to see the Huskers, you know, maybe try and avoid without, without having played for so long? I thought they'd be rusty. I'm Ben. I mean, three weeks. I mean, waistlines and hairlines can kind of give way a little bit over three weeks. A lot of habits and trends can can stop in their tracks in three weeks. And the Huskers were playing so well. They won their last four matches. They really demolished a, a, a quite talented Michigan team on the road the last time we saw them play three long weeks ago. And all this pressure, I mean, you could just feel the whole state focused on this team and and craving this NCAA tournament. And, of course, it's in Omaha, which only heightens the attention locally. And they just go in there, and sure, the first 20 rallies were split 10 apiece. But after that, just the Husker juggernaut got rolling, and uh, the middles just were unstoppable, and Kayla Caffey and Lawrence Stiverens. And and Maddie Kubik had a – Maybe one of her finest hours as a two-year Husker. 13 kills, hit 407. So uh, they just seemed unfazed, which is – and it's just remarkable with all the attention on these 14, 15 young women and their coaches that no matter how bright the lights are, they, they just uh, seem to do their very, very capably and, and plenty well today to get the victory. 
Part of the reason why uh, we have you on, JB, is because we, we don't need the coach speak, and, and, we, and we can uh, ask you questions that we could ask the coach and, and get a completely different answer. I know Coach Cook loves loading that schedule up, particularly early in the, in the out-of-conference. How, how nervous were you, I guess, coming into the tournament, knowing uh, this wasn't a, a typical schedule that the Huskers had to follow, not only with the cancellations to COVID, but the no non-con to kind of ramp them up. I, I mean, you don't really need ramped up in this league with the Big Ten, but um, having that part of the schedule missing, did it worry you at all um, coming into the tournament? Well, I'm always anxious, Ben, in the postseason because <laughs> there's no margin for error. I mean, you lose, you get a lot more time for homework, and only the winner advances. There's no double elimination. So I always get anxious. I mean, we uh, in the first round of, a few years ago, we played Harvard. And Harvard won the first set, and their parents were going crazy. So Nebraska volleyball was down one love to the Crimson. I mean, so you just get a little nervous. You just wonder what, what could be here. And there was, you know, we've had some second-round close calls. Nebraska lost in the second round back in 2011 to Kansas State. Uh, almost lost in the second round to South Carolina in 2000. So it's just a time of the year when – you got no margin for error. So I'm always a little anxious. Now, the team's not anxious. The, the, the coaches are fine. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's something to marvel at that in a sport uh, where, you know, the Sweet 16 is, is a rarity and something to be prized, as it is, of course, in men's and women's basketball, you know, getting to the Sweet 16. Nebraska has done so in all but one of John Cook's 21 seasons. It's, this is the uh, golden age of Nebraska volleyball, so don't blink and enjoy it. JB, hard to get through an interview, I'm sure, at this point without talking about Jazz and the outsides with the uh, injury to Riley. H- how do you feel like um, the outside that on that side is, is, is holding up and playing? I mean, I would say recently, but we can't go back but more than, what, six hours or so mm. uh, with the three-week layoff. How, how would you assess Jazz in that spot and how Coach Cook feels about it the rest of the tournament? Well, ironically, Riley Zoon's injury really unleashed Jazz Sweet. And Riley will have her hour. She uh, is a great player, 6'5". Her younger brother is one of the top quarterback recruits in the country. I wish he were coming here. But she's a fabulous athlete, and she can help us in so many ways at 6'5". But when she had the completely unexpected foot, uh, broken foot uh, diagnosis, Jazz could play loose now because there's no one else. And so she has been her old self. I mean, this is a young woman, Jazz Sweet, who just piles up the kills in the postseason. She had 12 big kills in the national national semifinal in 2017 against Penn State, one of the great matches ever played. And uh, she had uh, double-digit kills in the national championship match up in Minneapolis against Stanford in 2018. So she plays her best when it counts most, and today was no exception. She had eight kills and no errors. But just since she was, she learned that, hey, the job was hers, no more platooning. It's been the old jazz suite. Let's talk, uh, let's talk Baylor and uh, what, what the challenge is now for this team. I know they got pushed what? to five by Pepperdine. How what, is, what do you know about this Baylor team? How is Baylor great at everything suddenly? <laughs> I, I mean, it's I can't. unbelievable? I, if you had told me 15 years ago that, oh, I get it, Waco, Texas is going to be a magnet <laughs> for elite athletes. I mean, Waco, Texas, you got the Brazos River. The downtown is, is seeing some revitalization. 
the, the, the school is right on top of Interstate 35. I mean, it, you have to notice the traffic all, I mean, the noise in the background. It's right on top of this major thoroughfare. It's a beautiful, it's the only private college uh, in, in, uh, in, the, in the old Big 12. And 12,000 students known primarily for academics. And, you know, now and then periodic success in, in, uh, in football, very in, in, uh, infrequent success in football. And, and I, I think other than, you know, Vinnie Johnson, the only, you know, the very little of any men's basketball success. And now they're good at everything. Like women's hoops, perennial top five. Uh, women's volleyball, they got to the Final Four in 2019. Here they are knocking on the door again this year. And men's basketball, out of nowhere, they win the championship. So I would not underestimate Baylor at anything, any sport uh, whatsoever. And they do have the 2019 National Player of the Year and Yasiana Presley on the outside. So they're a presence. They're formidable. As she goes, largely so does the team. I don't think they're quite as strong as they were in 2019. They did lose four times this year to Texas. They do not want to play Texas again. And ironically, the winner of Sunday's match will probably get Texas, maybe Penn State, on Monday. But, you know, it's a Sweet 16, so you know you're going to get a, uh, an excellent opponent and no exception. JB, I would just ask you, you know, to finish up here about – the status of the league, but, you know, and kind of their, their feeling through the tournament. I think all arrows are going to end up pointing to Madison and Wisconsin uh, with all the best. Is, is everybody in this tournament chasing them? Are they are they still clearly head and shoulders the best team in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin would give Brazil a problem. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, you know, player to player against uh, Estonia or Serbia would be a close call. They, this is one of the great collections of talent at this level ever. But I'm a huge Ohio State volleyball fan. I mean, this team is on fire, and they're in the same bracket. Thank goodness. So one of them has to be eliminated, and I'm, I'm picking Ohio State to beat Florida and then face Wisconsin in that regional final, and that'll be something uh, to watch. But, yeah, this is, this is Wisconsin and, and the rest of the field, but it's not like Gonzaga and the rest of the field where, you know, seemingly until Baylor, you know, surprised a lot of people, it seemed like it was Gonzaga's men's basketball championship, uh, you know, even money at least versus the other 63 teams. But, with, you know, there are, there are four or five others that have a claim on, on a very plausible path to the national championship. But, boy, no one's got a 6'8 middle like Dana Redke in the history of the sport at this level, at least. And then you got Molly Haggerty on the left side, you've got who's been there forever. I think, you know, she was there when Barry Alvarez was on the sidelines. <laughs> and then you, you got the, the best setter in the country in Sydney Hilly. They're angry because they, they had the flu bug and when they played Stanford and, and didn't compete with Stanford for the national championship in 2019. So, yeah, it's going to be rugged to knock them off. But a lot of wood to chop before a Wisconsin-Husker possible matchup uh, in the re- national semis. Let's hope we get there and Huskers get another crack at the Badgers uh, like they did last year. Unfortunately, Wisconsin getting the better of the Big Red in that match. JB, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for sticking around, giving us a few minutes. We hope you're uh, still calling volleyball here in the next few weeks. Thank you. You and I both. Thanks, Ben. JB, appreciate it. Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Thanks, JB, for hanging around a little bit after his broadcast to kind of update us on his thoughts about these Win for the Cornhuskers is it eight or nine straight Sweet 16s now for John Cook. I think it's eight, eight straight Sweet 16s. That's a remarkable. They will play on Sunday. We should find out the time that they play tomorrow is when they should put those out 
for the NCAA tournament. Also, about the same time as volleyball got going, the head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg met with the media. First time the coach has talked to the media since the conclusion of the season back in March at the Big Ten tournament. The, yesterday, the program announced the addition of two new players, uh, to Wilcher from uh, Xavier and then the Lithuanian center. Here's the coach talking about the two new additions to the team. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about both players that we uh, signed yesterday. Uh, I'll start with CJ, a guy that had really good quality minutes when he got the opportunity at Xavier this last season. Uh, you know, the thing that stands out about CJ's is sh- perimeter shooting. And, you know, that's certainly an area where we need to improve, we need to get better, and he'll immediately help us in that area as well as the other guys that we signed in the fall. Uh, so I'm excited about that aspect of our team, uh, hopefully being a more consistent uh, three-point shooting group and obviously from the free throw line where we need to improve in a big way. Uh, but he's not just a shooter. He's got a good strong body, uh, should have versatility on the defensive end, a uh, guy that can put the ball on the floor, uh, and, and as I said, a good strong body to finish in the paint. Uh, so I think we're getting a very complete player in, uh, in C.J. Wilcher. As far as Oleg, uh, you know, the addition of you know, getting size, uh, you know, seven-footer that's got very good skill, uh, you know, what we do and the way I've always approached it is the guys will come in and uh, compete and go out there and show me in practice who deserves to be on the floor and who deserves minutes. And, you know, I anticipate Oleg coming in and competing for that spot. Uh, you know, strength is always a big thing for all freshmen that they have to uh, improve on. And, you know, when he gets here in the summer, we'll have an opportunity to start working on his body right away. But, you know, to add a seven-footer, uh, that's got a, a good skill set, uh, you know, it should be a good long-term addition for our program. Something, man, we didn't we didn't remind everybody yesterday, too, with C.J. Wilcher, his younger brother is a senior to be at the high school level and also a five-star player. <laughs> Nebraska immediately got an offer out to him, and he may be a Husker at some point in time. It, it may get double, may get a double a whammy from the Wilcher signing here this month. I know he's getting the full court press treatment, and uh, you know I think that's going to be a, an interesting thing to watch with Simeon Wilcher, his little brother. But you know Koyanets is such an interesting prospect because of what Coach Hoiberg there said, and we talked a little bit about him last night and when he committed as well. But seven foot with skill is interesting, and I loved what he said immediately about the first thing of him. Um, getting uh getting in and working on his body immediately so I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what he looks like and watch him practice when he gets here yeah no doubt well we heard from the head football coach on monday talking about the new transfer rule that now is in effect the ncaa today announced that the one-time transfer rule is in effect for college athletes across the board all sports it has not been there for for college basketball it will now be instituted here's the coach's thoughts about that yeah, it, it won't change our approach as far as how we recruit. Uh, you know, obviously you've seen in the couple of years that we've been here that we've taken players uh, from all different areas as far as freshmen, uh, junior college players, uh, international players, and transfers. So, you know, you, you just with I think there's 1,400 in the portal right now, 13 or 1,400 of them. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of them have very talented, unique uh, skill sets and, and, and very good players. So, you know, we're, we're evaluating that constantly, as all coaches and all programs do, on how you can add uh, talent, how you can get your, your team better. 
And, you know, as far as the rule change, I, I think it's good. I, I think it'll give some consistency now for the transfers that are moving on that you have the ability to play right away on the one-time transfer exception. The legislation's been on the table the last couple years, and I think now it will add some consistency uh, to the transfers that are leaving their program. So I think it's a good change. This is a staff with Coach Hoiberg and Matt Abdelmasi who are used to dealing with transfers. They did a great job of it at Iowa State, trying to duplicate that here in Lincoln. He was asked, is it different now uh, dealing with transfers than it was when he was at Iowa State? You're competing against so many more schools than maybe we were uh, our first go-around at Iowa State, where we really built our team that first year with transfers. We've got four high-level kids in uh, that sat out that first year, and Royce White, Chris Babb, Chris Allen, Anthony Booker. And they really helped jumpstart our program and, you know, I think really attracted four-year players that came in and were huge parts of our program. We still recruited transfers, but getting on the map and showing success and an exciting style of play, uh, you know, got us the opportunity to recruit better players than we would have been able to early in the process. Uh, but now you look at uh, transfers being such a huge part of recruiting for all schools. We weren't recruiting against a lot of the teams uh, that are getting transfers now. And that's just the landscape of where things are uh, in college basketball right now, really college sports, uh, you know, with, with so many transfers leaving, looking for better opportunities. And, uh, you know, it, it, but it has changed. There's no doubt about that. When we started at Iowa State, uh, there weren't a lot of schools that took transfers or at least built uh, through the transfer market. Uh, we did that. But again, what that did for us is it, it attracted a lot of really high quality four-year players. Uh, a lot of those guys are playing in the NBA right now. He really was on the cutting edge, Ben, of doing that at Iowa State. And a lot of people said, whoa, it worked there. Let's let's go down that path a little bit. And if you're like it at Iowa State or even Nebraska, you're probably not going to get the five-star guys out of high school or maybe even a lot of four-star guys, but you might get them on the rebound and, and get them on this kind of a, a boomerang effect, get them on the second time around, and you can certainly do that successfully there. But I love the fact that they were creative at that point in time, and, and now I think they're looking for that kind of niche again here at Nebraska. It's to the point now where if you're not recruiting the portal, you're, you're missing probably, I mean, outside of maybe the top 10% of players that, you know, of overall rank in high school, you've got no shot at winning. So you better be in there or you're going to have a really difficult time bringing in the proper talent to win games. All right, uh, the super seniors for all the other sports we've talked quite a bit about. We know Kobe Webster's coming back. What about Thor? Where's he at in the decision-making process? And what about filling out the remainder part of this roster? Here's the coach. Yeah, I'll start with Thor. You know, we, we've been in constant communication. He is back home right now. And, uh, you know, he's just weighing all the different options that he's going to have moving forward. And, you know, we've had a lot of talks and he's going to take his time with the process, which he certainly uh, can and should do. And, uh, you know, he's obviously a guy that has had two uh, good years for us. It's, you know, two years ago, shot the ball at a very high clip. He ended the year this last season. Uh, I think he led us in assists the last six or seven games. Uh, so, you know, a guy that will have options and, uh, you know, we'll be there every step along the way to help him uh, in any way we can, you know, to make the best choice for him in his career. So as far as the remaining spots, 
that we have on a roster, as all programs do. You know, the job of the staff and the coach is to do everything you can to improve your roster. And we're looking at a lot of different things right now, and we'll see how, how it plays out and how things develop. But, you know, as, as we all do, we're just trying to do everything we can uh, to put the most competitive team out there on the floor. Got a gut feeling, Ben, on Thor? Um, I would say probably 60-40 he leaves uh, and kind of moves on. Thor's got a really unique skill set that I believe fits well for um, leagues over there. And I know a lot of his family's over there and his friends are back home in Iceland. And, you know, I, I, he could make a decent living playing over there, I think. Um, and he's had, he's had quite the career. And the other thing about Thor is he's probably not entirely sure what his role would be with all this talent coming back to Nebraska. And I know that has to impact. He's not going to want to spend another year here if he's going to get six to eight minutes a night, regardless of how high the coaches are on him. No, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Well, the coach is kind of alluding to it, trying to put together the rest of this roster. He was asked if uh, he has it to where he wants it at this point in time, about to go into year number three. Yeah, I, I, I think we've made it, uh, a lot of improvements to our roster with the recruiting class that we are bringing in to this point with the additions that we've made to our roster. Uh, we need to shoot the ball better, and I think we have addressed a lot of that with the players that we have coming in. Uh, you see what Keisha is doing right now with what he has done to help Ranger get into the national uh, tournament in, uh, in, in Hutch down in Kansas, which starts next week. Uh, you look at, obviously, Bryce McGowan's a guy that can score it from all over the floor. Uh, in Wilhelm, a guy that can stretch it and shoot it uh, from a front-line position. Again, those guys are so important to have on your team to be able to shoot and get bigs away from the basket to open up driving lanes. Uh, so, you know, I, th I think through that, you know, and then again with CJ and with Oleg, guys that can come in and knock down shots as well. So, you know, I think we've made huge strides in that area. The other thing I'm excited about is we're going to have continuity with our roster for the first time since we've been here. You know, the first year we had under two points uh, coming back from the previous year. Last year, I think we had 15. Uh, this year, almost 70% of our production will be back and have been through the system when I think we saw dramatic improvement over the course of the season, especially after the shutdown and we got back playing and got into a rhythm. So, you know, I I'm excited about that. And then the additions that we've made uh, and, you know, huge thing that we have to do as well uh, we were close on a lot of occasions. We didn't close out games. We have to be better uh, down the stretch. We've got to find a way to get a group out there uh, that's going to play with the confidence to win those close games, which we did not do a good job of last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited about the additions. Uh, you know, I think the 14th ranked recruiting class uh, in the country. So you know, I, th I think we have addressed a lot of needs uh, with the class coming in. We're hearing cuts from uh, Fred Hoiberg's press conference from earlier today. First time we've heard from the coach since the season ended a month ago. We have time to tell you to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, that's about the roster, the players on the roster. The coach has also tweaked, tweaked the staff a little bit. Uh, ben last week talked to Coach Lenzer, the new addition to the staff. Doc Satter going to a different role. Here is Coach Hoiberg talking about uh, what he has done to the staff. Yeah, you know, Nate and I go back a long way, uh, back to our time at Iowa State. And, you know, it's, it's where, uh, you know, I, I, I saw how good he was all across the board. It, it's, I know I've talked a lot about his de uh, development on the floor uh, with skill work, but, 
you know, if you see him in a scouting report in a film room commanding the room, he, he's got such a great presence to him. Uh, the fact that he was a head coach in the G League in the inaugural season of the Windy City Bulls, uh, and, you know, as, as the head coach at that level, you do everything. And, you know, you're a huge part of the development, you know, obviously putting the game plans uh, in the scouting reports together, even doing film stuff. So, you know, Nate's done everything. And he started, uh, you know, at, at the bottom and, and, you know, just he's as, good as a, he's as good as I've been around in all different areas. And, you know, if you see the connection already that he's made, we're doing just a lot of individual skill work with our players right now. Uh, you can see the trust building between Nate and the players. And that's a huge part to get those guys hopefully to go out to have that trust level where they'll run through a wall for you. Uh, you know, with Kurt Joseph, I've seen that same thing in his short amount of time here as well is, uh, you know, just his ability to connect with players. And that's an, such an important part of this level uh, to be able to do that, uh, to get those guys to go out and, and play their best. But yeah, Nate's, Nate's phenomenal. Uh, I'm really excited to have, uh, have Nate on board and it's great to be, uh, you know, back with him. With Doc. Ben, he seems comfortable with, with Nate, and obviously, Nate, you talked to him last week, loves Coach Hoiberg. This, this, I, I, like, I like where this is headed. Yeah, I think, I think he's a great fit for what they're trying to do, and I think he and Coach Hoiberg have a very similar mind in, in how they approach their business, how they approach the game of basketball, and you know his ability to, to relate with players, I think, kind of – parallels itself with a guy like Matt Abdel-Massey and Armand Gates as well, two other guys that have good relationships with players. So it's it's hard to see this going poorly. I really believe that this is a, the type of coach that, um, you know, Coach Hoiberg can see and just come in and fit and do so many different things in, in regards to, um, you know, we talk all the time in football about player development. I think this is an area that um, Coach Lenzer can kind of take hold and he can really hopefully start to see some tangible um, actual results and players uh, in, in developing from, from year to year. One other note that the coach touched upon, Shamil Stevenson also weighing his options about whether to return to the team or not. So he could be another addition to the transfer portal. He's uh, trying to size up probably similar to what Ben said about Thor. Shamil's probably trying to figure out where does he fit in the line with Nebraska with all the new additions coming into the program. So there could be some news about Shamil in the coming weeks. All right, there's a good recap from what the head coach had to say today. Great to hear from him. It's been a month since we've heard from him uh, following the loss at the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis. Back for Hour 2, Sports Highly here on a Thursday night. Going to talk some Husker baseball here with Nick Hanley, who's with me in State College. We're getting ready to call the uh, three-game series between the Big Red and the Nittany Lions. We'll go beyond the headlines later on in the hour. We'll keep some phone lines open for you as well. You can call us up on our Sports Highly hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's interesting because all three of us who do Husker baseball, we have certain places we definitely want to go to and certain places we don't. You always request Penn State. This is this is your place. I love State College. Uh, it the the <laughs> first time we Ben and I went here, and we drove by it the the area that we stayed in. It was a little bit more off the beaten path. It wasn't like completely out of State College civilization, but. This area that we're at now, I mean, this is right in the heart of, like, the entertainment district and kind of the downtown area. And for the second week, and I did confirm, 
they are having their spring are they practice, practice. But it's so this is interesting, Greg. They're doing it for the audience that'll be allowed is going to be uh, first time students and then family. That's the general public that can come in as actually first time students. So they're doing that on Saturday. So they always kind of have that alumni weekend going on. So I think there's some form of that happening right now. I was kind of walking around a little bit before the show. And, yeah, I mean, there's people are out and about. I mean, masks are on and stuff. But it is. It's just it's a really cool college town. Uh, there's just so much in this area, some really great restaurants, too. So, And then the, you're going to see tomorrow the setup there, the stadium. It's, it's one of the better baseball venues. I'd put Haymarket kind of in its own category. But I think Penn State is probably my next favorite as far as a place to call a ball game now ted silva the former pitching coach from nebraska I remember asking him how's the field itself because it is a natural surface he said eh, it's it's okay so from a broadcast standpoint great i don't know if the field compares to maybe the best in the big 10 medler field it sits in the shadows of beaver stadium with the, the nittany lions do play football it is a quaint little community it's hard to get here we flew into harrisburg and it's about 90 miles away so about an hour and a half drive up beautiful drive through some hilly country through there the airport in harrisburg and i told you this when we got off the plane i think it was on my side of the plane Three Mile Island, the nuclear plant that had an issue back in the 70s, it had some leakage come out of there, sits right next to the Harrisburg Airport. So I had a good look of Three Mile Island, the nuclear nuclear power plant, when we landed. State College has a very, very tiny airport. And so, like the Huskers flew into Pittsburgh, it's about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Pittsburgh. We only had 90 minutes coming from Harrisburg. So not the easiest place to get to, but the countryside around here is absolutely gorgeous. And what is it, Mount? Nittany sits yeah. out beyond center field here for the ballpark. Yeah, it's such a cool vantage point. And it, it, so I don't know with the the cuts in minor league baseball if they still have the low-A Cardinals yeah, affiliate know. here or not. But, I mean, that's essentially why it's a really nice kind of minor league baseball stadium. And, again, you'll see the press facility is pretty modern, pretty up-to-date. And the field settings, I mean, they have like kind of a little party porch out in right field. Now, they don't draw a lot, but, I mean, I'm sure for the, a lot of the minor league games, it's probably a pretty cool scene in the summer. But I don't know if they still have that low-A Cardinals affiliate or not. But, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a really cool scenery here. And, and I've only flown into State College and just taken that tiny little drive to the hotel. But this is the first time we actually got a chance to really see that from Harrisburg to State College. I know Ben had done that uh, the, the two previous trips that we were – uh, coming out here, and then my wife actually joined us out here the first time we came out here, and she even said, "You're going to love that drive." And I'm like, "Okay, how much can you like really love a drive?" But that was that was yeah. it was it was pretty well. And this place, you and Ben, the first time Nebraska came here as members of the Big Ten was really memorable because the Huskers clinched the conference title. And a lot of us have seen that video of Darren Erstad running into the mm-hmm. locker room after the game and hopping around with the guys. And that was a special moment. I mean, yeah. you don't win conference titles real often. I think it was the seventh overall for Nebraska baseball history. So that was a great memory made in this this ballpark and in this town a few years ago. Yeah, I, I always feel like Nebraska – and a lot of the guys on this team probably have no idea. Now, there's a few, you know, Luke Roscoe, Mojo, Acker. Joe Acker. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys that were part of that team in that moment. But, you know, there's been a lot of success here at State College. Uh, the last time we were here, they they swept. They had to play one on Friday. Then they moved the Sunday game up into a doubleheader on Saturday, swept on Saturday. And so they've had a lot of success. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of cool. I remember that trip. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series because that was right before the Big Ten tournament. 
and Nebraska lost on Friday, and they were neck and neck with Minnesota. And I think Minnesota was playing somebody else that was lower in the standings, and we're like, well, Minnesota's not going to lose a game. So losing on Thursday, that pretty much sinks Nebraska's chances of wrapping up the Big Ten regular season. Well, Minnesota lost. And then I think they lost again. Nebraska comes back, wins Friday and Saturday. And that Saturday game, I mean, before I think before Ben even got to the third inning, it was already like, 14 to nothing I mean it was we were up by two touchdowns and so and it was kind of this dreary dank kind of day on 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 Saturday for a a, you know a quote championship Saturday but man it was you know you like drama in our calls you like drama in the game but boy if you can get into the the final stretch of the game get into the fifth inning and you're already up by like almost 15 or 16 runs hell I'll take it and that was a Jake Myers pitch game because he was the Sunday starter for that Nebraska team that then went and did not have a good success in that Corvallis Regional that year, but it was a, a team that did hang a banner. And you're right, Roscom, Mojo, and Acker, the three guys that are still part of this team that were a part of a conference championship team their freshman years. And here, here, here we come. We we show up here. It's it's getting the middle part of April, and we got a first place Husker team that we're talking about. This team's been fun to follow, hasn't it? They have, and you know, the and you you guys have seen this obviously as well, especially as of late is. There's just so many ways this team comes at you. And we've talked, I feel like, a lot about the offense. And that's kind of been the narrative going into the season is we knew there would be a lot of options, a lot of depth in that lineup in a lot of ways to to hurt teams offensively. But, you know, we were kind of talking about this on the drive over here. You know, if you're a fan of pitching, well, you're going to see some really good arms too, whether it's the the rotation or you're going to see some guys out of the bullpen. If if you're more of one of those fans of fundamental good baseball defense and getting bunts in, well, they're going to do that for you too. If you like kind of aggressive, sort of fly by the seat of your pants uh, type base running and and taking chances, well, Lance Harvell third base will give you a little bit of that too. I mean, it's a very very competitive team, and it's a team that always seems like they're trying to outdo one another, but it seems like they generally just – Love being around each other, too. I mean, you kind of see that chemistry as well. So, you know, if you've got to get into one of those really tight games, like you guys saw Friday night against Maryland, where you're going up against one of the better arms in college baseball and you got to have to kind of ham and egg it a, a bit, you can do that. If you got to try to outslug a team like we've seen in Iowa and what we saw this, you know, Saturday, or I should say Sunday uh, against Maryland, y- you can do that. Um, you know, if it comes down to a, a team that needs to make the necessary plays, the fundamental plays, and wait for the other team to make a mistake and take advantage of that, well, Nebraska can do that. So they do. It, it's it's a blend of experience with a, a lot of the guys that have played some some college baseball, but then also this young group continues to have someone new sort of step forward. It was Max Anderson early. Now it's Bryce Matthews mm-hmm. early too. And, and even some of the, the newcomers and the transfers – there's just so many different guys that seem to kind of take a significant step forward every weekend. And I said it on Monday on on my show that if you get a chance to get out to Haymarket Park and watch this team, I just highly recommend doing it because chances are you're going to see a very fun brand of of baseball and you're going to see a a team that just, you can tell that the the joy of playing the game is just kind of all over their face. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office visiting with Nick Hanley. He's with me here in State College. We'll have the call this weekend for Husker Baseball against Penn State 5 o'clock tomorrow night, 4.30 for pregame coverage and then an afternoon game on Saturday and a morning game on Sunday. It'll be at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock Central time, first pitch. Huskers then have to reverse course and get back to Pittsburgh and fly back home and get back by Sunday night. You know, you, you Ben, and I always sit down with the coaches before the season starts and we go through the roster and we get thoughts about different guys. 
I, I don't know about you, but I went into that meeting going, I just don't quite know what we have. But I left that meeting sensing there's a quiet confidence of these guys. I think they feel like they've got some parts to this thing. Did you feel that way? I, I did, and, and I always feel like it. And I'll go back to when we had these meetings with Darren and Ted. They were a coaching staff that I never thought gave unnecessary praise, and I think that that's the same with Will and Jeff and Lance. And, and we talked to Will and Jeff uh, this year, and I feel the same way that they're they're going to be real with us. They're going to tell us, you know, who still has some work to do, and, and guys that maybe are impressing them, that maybe surprising them, or guys that they just expect to kind of pick up from where they left off. And you know, the, the as we kept writing names down, and you know, I, I I don't know how you do it, Greg. I always kind of have my my plus minus column on okay the things that are saying positive and the things that maybe are they're still kind of waiting to come and as i'm looking down of this entire roster pitching and just you know your, your guys in the lineup i had so many more positive comments coming from the coaches than you know things that you would maybe consider as okay things to work on and then you're trying to figure out okay well are they just seeing this through the the optics of practicing against one another and we'll see when we get out of competition and I think we're always skeptical of that but you guys saw it right away in that first series against Purdue you know you have kind of a shaky outing by Cade Povich but now when's the last time we could say Cade has really really fought it since then um you know they talked a lot about some of the newcomers and the freshmen you know we've we heard about Max Anderson, and, and and I don't know about you, I, I thought there wasn't a lot said about Max because it, it was, they almost treated him like, well, he's he's fine, we, he's fine. We, ex, <laughs> we ex, it's like, well, he's still a freshman. And then Bryce Matthews had a lot of good things to say, and yep. we saw that early, but then Bryce kind of fought it a little bit. But then now you're seeing him really kind of again one of those guys that takes a, a big step forward, and and even a guy like um, Griffin Everett, you know, a guy that, that you see in the catching position that you know is, okay, it's going to be somewhat a bit different than what we saw from Luke Roskam in the past couple of years or even Gunner. Well, he kind of fought it a little bit too, but now you're seeing some really good contact. You're seeing him play good, you know, just catch a good game. You know, so a lot of those, even Efry defensively, you know, we heard a lot about that. And we've seen in that Iowa series alone, we saw Efry have Terrific. some great plays in that game. So a lot of the things that they brought up, you kind of go back to those notes. You can go back to each one of those players and you can check a box of like, yep, they're right there. They're right there. We've seen this. We've seen that. We've seen that. So, yeah, I think without trying to really prop up this team as, hey, watch out, guys, we're going to win the conference. I think they felt that you're not putting us in the top six. Mm, that, that might be kind of a slight. And I think they've played that way. They've played with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. All right, people are concerned that, okay, Nebraska at the midway point of this thing, first place in the league and not ranked. What would you say to those people about that? Don't worry about it. I mean, the number that to me is the most important is where they are in the standings. And if you're staying right there in the top three of the standings and you're winning series, Nebraska's yet to lose a series, they split in the pot against uh, Iowa and Ohio State, but they are yet to lose a series. Keep winning those series, especially as you get into early May. That number that, again, to me doesn't mean a lot until you get into the selection process. It's going to take care of itself. As long as they are sitting right there in the standings. Look, I get it. Michigan beat Ohio State in a series, and there, there's a little bit more – there's a little bit more respect for Ohio State compared to maybe a Maryland right now. Even though Maryland's got some good players, got a good pitching staff, 
there might be a little more respect there. So, okay, Michigan, hey, last time we saw them in a full season, they ended the season in the College World Series Championship Series. So there's still a little bit of that, that recency bias. And, again, for Nebraska, it's a team that I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, talking to Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com, even Aaron Fitt, I feel like that national narrative of looking at Nebraska is they're very intriguing. We're keeping our eye on them because they've got some real interesting pieces. We want to see how it comes together, but they're very intriguing. I feel like a lot of those publications are getting closer and closer and closer to pulling the trigger on Nebraska could legitimately be a top 25 team. But I think they want to see more, and and I think that's fine because they're still looking for maybe that, that signature series win, like an Ohio State or a Michigan or an Indiana. And guess what? Those are coming, but right now you're you're gaining confidence you're going up against teams that you feel like you've got a chance to win those series, and the bottom line is, so far, and knock on wood, they're winning those series. Last thing for you, are you of the mindset that this is the end of the road at the college level for Spencer Schwellenbach? I do. I mean, when you're pumping 99 miles an hour, it's a it's a very lively arm, and there's an athlete behind that arm, too. I mean, if for some reason you decide, hey, you know what, we like him at shortstop because of that arm, we like the way that he swings the bat, but the bottom line is he can get on the rubber and he can blow a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and a pretty damn good slider, too. I, I think that, you know, depending on what the draft looks like, I, I think that number that he goes, that round that he goes, I think could be high enough where it's going to be tempting for, for him to, to take a serious look at that. I hope I'm wrong, um, selfishly. I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's probably a guy that has gotten enough attention, unless something, and that wouldn't be great for this team, unless something sort of took a different turn. I think the way he's trending, this is probably the last we've yeah. seen of him. All right. Uh, well, I'm in your hands this weekend. Ben said you know all the spots, so uh, we'll just go. I know and... you like good burgers. I got a place. I do. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll go grab some dinner once the show's <laughs> over tonight. Night game tomorrow night, but a day game on Saturday. So we'll have a chance to go maybe have a good dinner somewhere on Saturday night. Looking forward to this weekend. Looking Can't Nick Hanley with me tonight here on Sports Only with me all weekend long with Husker Baseball. We'll come back and go beyond the headlines. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin back with you in time for us now to go beyond the headlines. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the Headlines. Order being restored tonight. Usually it's Josh and I on buy sell on Wednesday nights. Tim was in last night, but not to worry. Josh and I here with you for Beyond the Headlines. Guys, how would you grade Tim's appearance on buy sell (laughs) last night for Josh? Uh, No comment. (laughs) I, I I heard that there is a little bit of people calling out people for complimenting themselves or giving themselves yeah, yeah well, any Tim, idea Tim who, would say any idea who's giving himself compliments <laughs> yeah, i have no night? idea I, I don't i don't know that's tim would say he was fantastic last night oh right yeah <laughs> exactly good thing Love we're not it. asking tim right <laughs> uh. but we will be asking you guys a question so let's jump into the first topic of the night so we have the olympics still scheduled to be happening this summer and designs of countries opening and closing ceremonies outfits have begun to leak out One of them for the Canadian national team will probably be at the forefront of fashion. They'll be rocking jean jackets for the closing ceremonies. Mm. So if you guys were designing a closing ceremonies outfit around the one piece of clothing that defines you, what would it be? 
Sweatpants. Jean- <laughs> yeah, that's probably right for Ben. Are jean jackets making a comeback? They must be, uh, right? I hope not. Maybe in I Canada. Guess. Yeah. Not as, uh, <laughs> Who knows what's going hey, on north of the border? I, I can't say I know, any, know anybody that owns one. Yeah, me neither. Probably for the best. Yeah, jeans or, or uh, sweats for Ben would absolutely be right. Probably probably quarter zips. I'm a quarter zip kind of guy, so give Same. me a quarter zip with a little red, white, and blue on it. Yeah. Love it. I like that. That's good. Uh, we're going to stick with clothes for topic number two here. For several years, Boston College has had an apparel deal with Under Armour, and that's going to change soon as the Golden Eagles announced on Tuesday that they're going to begin a new agreement with New Balance on Mm. June 1st. Now, Boston College was made fun of on social media after the announcement. It seems most people would consider New Balance clothes and shoes something that old people wear. So, with that in mind, what's the coolest item of clothing or apparel you guys have ever owned, and what's the least cool or the most old person, I guess? Well, I'm a big fan of my New Balance sneakers. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so you'd be you'd be fine at Boston College. No, then. I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, coolest, coolest, piece. yeah. What's the coolest hmm. thing you've owned? Like you can go all the way back to like when you were in grade school or high school, whatever. I had a Ken Griffey Jr. jersey that Ooh. I used to wear like every day in fifth grade. Man, you probably were. Yeah, I so, would have been jealous. I'm I'm gonna say that. Um. Yeah, I'm going to say that. <laughs> That's good. Least cool? Yeah, what's the least cool thing you've ever owned or worn? I feel, I feel like mm. what people were mostly mm. making fun of with the New okay. Balance thing is that it's like a very dad thing. You know, you wear the cargo yep. shorts and the golf hat and the New Balance it is, shoes. It is, it is. It has that reputation, but they've also they've got some good shoes. Yeah. Um, like baseball, there's a lot of players that wear New Balance baseball shoes. Right. Um, I, I would say baseball is where they probably yes. look the best, mm-hmm. at least in sure. sports. Uh, my family would tell you the worst thing for me is, and they've disappeared on me, but I used to have these, they were jean shorts, and they were ripped and shredded, but I would wear them when I mowed the yard. You yeah. know, I'd just shorts? pull them out, wear them. When, <laughs> shorts. shorts, yeah. Oh, my family was so shorts. embarrassed by that. <laughs> and so... I, I don't know where they went. I think somebody took them. I oh. think they have been <laughs> confiscated from me and probably are in some landfill yeah, right now. Or burned somewhere, maybe. And, and I was really proud. I was in Chicago one year, and I bought a Ferris Bueller T-shirt. I was really proud of that nice. T-shirt that I had. Nice. I like that. Um, I think the worst thing that I owned, <laughs> um, and, and at the time I didn't think it was bad, like, my mom would always, like, put me in, like, it, it started to be at that phase where, like, baggy shorts were in. Oh, yeah. And, like, you were, you, like, most of the time you were on one end of the spectrum, right? You were, like, 70s hip huggers style shorts or you wore baggy shorts. And I, my mom would always put me in these shorts that were just uncomfortably short. <laughs> and, and I just I just wasn't about it. And it started to be about the time... Of my, I mean, I wasn't old, very old, maybe nine, ten. Yeah. But I started to get to that age where I wanted to wear whatever, like what was cool and what was hip. I had a, these like obnoxious pair of like athletic shorts that were like blue and green, and they were just like stripe, like vertical stripes. But they they were hideous, but they fit me good, <laughs> and I loved the way that they fit, and they were long enough, so I wore them for uh, pictures. 
And <laughs> even to this day, like for team pictures, my mom just like can't even bother looking at that photo because those shorts are so so ugly. But I loved them because they nice. fit me properly. Nice. It's good. Good good stories. All right, moving away from the clothing industry for at least a couple questions. Maybe we <laughs> bounce back there, but switching gears now. Crushing news, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez oh, announced Jayla. earlier this week that, that they've split. They ended their engagement. It's a big blow for A-Rod especially, who said even back when he was playing for the Mariners that J-Lo was his dream date. He's taking it pretty hard. I don't blame him. He's been posting videos, scanning over pictures of the two of them together with some sad cold play on <laughs> in the background. And that's not the only thing he needs to work through it, though. He's also working on purchasing the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, becoming a part owner of that franchise and if you ask me that's a pretty expensive breakup (laughs) rebound present for a rod have you guys ever had to do something like that to get yourselves through a breakup why would you want to own the timberwolves (laughs) is that the most random marriage possible like yeah probably well they never got married or do you know i meant i meant rod t wolves a rod and the t wolves oh yeah it is random Entirely. Man, she she crushed him. Did you see her comment? She said, we're better off as friends. Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> she just put him in the friend zone. So Goodness. hard. <laughs> wow. After so long. Man, they seemed they seemed uh, crazy in love at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Right? It wasn't wasn't uh, A-Rod like all yep. front and center, and you, you oh, guys yeah. didn't get my pun. That was yeah, uh, I did. That's why that I wanted Beyonce's right. song. That's a good one. I like it. thought you'd be all over that, Austin. <laughs> I, that's why I laughed. I was the one who reacted. <laughs> I don't know Beyonce's music that well, so I didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> right <laughs> over your head, right into the uh, pocket so of your what, jorts. Yeah, what, what, have you ever? Have you guys bought, ever? What, what have you? What have um, you done to rebound from breakups? Anything like buying the Timberwolves? Or no, buying uh, something. Car shopping, maybe. I went car shopping maybe one time when I was, you know, in my twenties and had a breakup. I don't know that I ended up buying one, but I went. I remember going to look at cars. Smart. Very nice. No, I don't think I did anything outlandish. Pretty much the normal stuff. Ben was always the one up. breaking other hearts. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you guys act like I've had, I've had a lot of girlfriends in my past. <laughs> oh, man. I Austin had this question. I was like, Austin, I'm glad you're the one asking this. I, I'm not going to go there. That's not. But anyway, we'll move on to topic number four. Hope Troutwine, a pitcher for North Texas softball, made history this past Sunday, pitching a perfect game with 21 strikeouts in seven innings against Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's the first time an NCAA Division I athlete has accomplished that feat. We've also seen wow. two no-hitters that were close to perfect games in Major League Baseball this past week as well. So as a fan of the ball-bat sports, would you guys rather watch an amazing pitching performance like the ones that we've seen this past week or an outstanding offensive performance at the plate? Hmm. I'm going to say offensive just for this reason. Um, and, and I'll throw a caveat, too. I think it's offensive because it engages you for more parts of the game. So, like, for example, if you've got a guy hitting for, for a cycle and needing a double, let's say, that means already in the game he's hit a single, a triple, and a homer. So you've had some pretty exciting moments to that point. You really don't get start getting fired up for, like, a no-hitter or perfect game until about inning six, seven, or eight. So, you know, anything could have happened before that point. And then, and then, and then your engine starts to get revved there at the tail end of the game. So I'll say offensive. Greg, Ben, you should know better than anybody that it starts on the mound. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, but this isn't—we're not talking about winning the game here. We're talking about what I'd rather watch. 
Uh, give me the pitching performance. Yeah. Give me the drama of Carlos Rodon last night shutting down the Indians and in the perfect game into the night. Give me that. Yeah. I'll take that any day. I'm with you, Greg. I For whatever reason, I for a long time watching baseball, I'll start watching for no-hitter perfect games like in the second inning. Like if a guy has a one, two, three first inning, when he goes out for, there for the second, I'm going to start locking in on that and paying attention to it. Um, so, yeah, I just love watching a, a no-hitter or a perfect game. Just a great pitching performance um, no matter what. So You know you know what's amazing? The, the Musgrove guy from San Diego last week when he threw the no-no, that was the first no-hitter in Padres history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've been around since 69. That's crazy. Well, the White Sox have had two in a year, right? Cause they had, and 20 total. Uh, Lucas, yeah. 20 total, and they've had two in the last year. It's amazing. Giolito had the one last year yeah. for them. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. All right, we'll stick with ball bat sports here for topic number five and go back to just yesterday in the Los Angeles Dodgers game. One fan lucky enough to get a home run ball right in his lap. Unfortunately, though, his lap was already full with his nacho. So the impact of the ball made for a rather (laughs) cheesy mess on his nice army green jacket. So you guys have been around ball diamonds as fans, as broadcasters. Do you have any good stories of spills around the diamond? (laughs) Maybe anybody else. This may or may not be the last time that this is mentioned on Sports Nightly tonight, by the way. Oh. Um, trying to remember. And so food at ballpark type stories? Food at ballpark being spilled. Any any press box incidents or pretty clean up there Yeah, still? I, I, oh, I well, remember, Greg, Ben, I knocked my Cracker Jacks over oh, at yeah, one Greg, game at Greg Haymarket just, Park. Coughed it up, coughed Spilled up the, them all over the Cracker place. Jacks on the five-yard line, running in for a touchdown. I, s- I saved <laughs> the surprise, about the Cracker though. Jacks for four innings and then dumps them all over the carpet. That was pretty good. <laughs> Disappointing. Um, there's a particular story at, at Media Days yeah. involves that spilling that comes yeah. to mind. I, I would say, though, the ballpark. But we yeah. can do Media Days. That counts. I mean, it's sport, sure. yeah, it's please please share. Involving sports. Um, Come on, you've know. had to spill something. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, I've, I'm sure I have. I mean, there's basically all of my white quarter zips and polos have nacho cheese or <laughs> a mustard stain on them somewhere. Um, no nothing, nothing crazy. I'm trying to trying to think of just anything that I've. Have you witnessed any other spills by other people? Not so yourself? I was say, you can throw people. The, okay, under the, bus. the story that keeps coming to mind has nothing to do with sports, but it's pretty funny. You know, we're we're at a movie. And I could I wasn't very old, and there's these uh, kids in front of us, or this people in front of us. I think they were actually a little older, and it was like a really dramatic part in the movie. And someone dropped like their bag of Skittles, and they were Just sitting towards the top. Them. And you can yeah, hear all down. of them roll yeah. all. It's a very quiet part of the movie, yeah. and you can hear the Skittles roll all <laughs> the way down to the front of the movie theater. And everyone just starts kind of like snicker and laughing. But I mean, someone's either dying or. You know, getting their heart broken or something, and you've got Skittles having a hundred-yard sprint to the front of the movie theater. That, that's yeah. the story that keeps coming to mind. That was nice. pretty good. I like it. What, what was the movie? Yeah, what was the movie? I couldn't tell you. Right. I was more I was more caught up with the Skittles. Skittles, yeah. I, yeah. 
I would be, been a very good movie. I'd be looking down at my feet, seeing if I could stop any and grab <laughs> one, you know? That's, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, all right, next topic. Uh, a man from New Zealand named Ross Hall has recently been recognized for a business that he's been running for the past 15 years. He makes coffins, but what makes his coffins interesting is that he crafts and decorates them into colorful creations. For instance, he's made cream donuts, sailboats, fire trucks, chocolate bars, and Legos, and he says that this, this allows funerals to be celebrations of life for the deceased. So, if you guys could be buried in a non-traditional coffin, what would it be? Ooh, grim topic here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm a little confused. So he buries people in, like, Legos? Well, the... the he makes a coffin a straight that's up like coffin. a Lego. He just makes it look it, like a Lego. Yes, yeah. it's a coffin okay. that, you know, looks like I got He's not building truck. a coffin out of Legos. <laughs> Although that would be, that pretty, would be dope. pretty cool too. That'd be pretty dope. And they seem pretty reasonably uh, priced too. It's not like they're super expensive, but make me a Lego copy of Memorial Stadium and plop oh, me inside nice. that thing. Yeah. Are you going in at midfield or in the end zone? <laughs> I feel like the end zone's probably more fitting, but Yes. That's the end of the line. Put me in the end zone. Very nice. I was going to say just like a baseball bat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking more like oh. a dugout. Like if you yeah. can make something like a dugout shaped. Sure. Um, yeah, you can throw me in. Throw me in there. I don't. I don't really have anything super creative or fun. Although yeah. all of those sound pretty good. Yeah. I don't take any. Well, of I was those gonna options. say food. Like he said, the cream donuts and chocolate. Like that. That might be somewhere where I go. You said Skittles. Skittles are one of my favorite candies. I could. You, you know, love bag of Skittles. Skittles. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go for that. By the way, this is not our last topic. We're not gonna end on on this. So on coffins. We will Dream not. Reapers. <laughs> <laughs> but topic number seven takes us all the way back to Monday morning. Obviously, Monday morning's notoriously rough. This week's no different for one Florida driver. Around 7.30 Monday morning, cameras in Daytona Beach, Florida, caught this person running through a crossing arm of a drawbridge as it was going up. This person presumably late to work. The driver catches about six inches of air <laughs> as the drawbridge is going up, makes it through the other side of the bridge so two questions here have you guys ever been panicked enough about being late to something that you've driven like that and would you prosecute this driver or just yes. make him pay for the arm and let him go are we sure this yes. wasn't a scene from the fast and the furious 64 uh still working to confirm <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say are they shooting a movie that we don't know about I mean, who hasn't been late to work or something that they've just kind of driven like a bat? I know, but driving through a crossing <laughs> this, arm. This and is not making our partners in the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway <laughs> yeah. Safety Office Buckle very up. happy. Put that, <laughs> and phone, put that down. phone down. Um, <laughs> don't draw over drawbridges that are already up. Yeah, I don't think I've ever yeah, considered reason, doing that, but I'm I'm sure I've bent some traffic laws in a time or two, <laughs> making sure I could. Uh, Weren't you late for like go. a baseball broadcast or something when you were you were producing it? Oh, that's, was that like that's a, a great. A we don't have time for that, that story, but that that is a phenomenal story. Do we have a short version story? Pocket version. Was it baseball or basketball? Was it like the? It was Puerto baseball. Tournament I was basketball? producing a baseball broadcast. Yeah, yeah. That's long story short. Um, there was a, a a law enforcement official seeing somebody screaming through the streets of downtown Lincoln without any regard for cars coming or anything and he politely asked me what i was doing and i said i was late and he said for what and i told him and said saddle up partner <laughs> put the lights on and i arrived on time i like it ben oh. by the way I, I am convinced our biggest listener fans work tsa at, at epley 
today oh, yeah. I'm going through the TSA, and I'm wearing my, I, it's a quarter zip, but my Brewer's quarter zip that I got at, at that time it was Miller Ballpark. Uh, it's not called that anymore. They mess that up up there in Milwaukee. <laughs> and the guy goes, <laughs> oh, you're wearing that in honor of Langren, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, sir. So there That's you go. fantastic. <laughs> By the way, it, 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 was, it was only half my fault that I needed a ride, too. Yeah. It was, you know, the long story short, the door uh, is always open on a certain day, and it should have been open on this day, but the cleaning crew didn't come that day, and the door was locked. And I did, I did not have the uh, – I, I was not high enough to the food chain to have a key. So I was scrambling to get inside and produce a baseball game. We won, mm-hmm. though. We beat Baylor that day. Nice. There you go. That's all that matters. So let's do it. Face off. It's time for face-off. They score off the face-off. Let's go. Mano Amano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman. Okay, boys. All right. Josh and Greg. Hmm. <sighs> confidence levels entering tonight for each of you. Go, Greg. You can start. Well, I left my house at 5.38 this morning, so, yeah, I'm really feeling good. You had enough time to, to peek a snoozer in in State College, didn't you? Or no? And prep for the show. Ugh. Yeah. So, Greg, so Greg's, Greg's not feeling confident. How about you, Josh? You're coming on the heels of what? Two straight wins or he's three? Got the tro- he's got the trophy back. I have the trophy, and, and which – all right, there's a couple things. I, I haven't had as long of a day as Greg, but I have been here since early this morning getting ready for volleyball and working on some different things. And then, you know, I have the trophy here in front of me, which I think might be bad luck because, yeah. Ben, when you got the trophy in front of you, no good. Didn't, didn't go very well. Did so not I don't, go well. I'm, you know, depending on how tonight goes, I might have to go put the trophy somewhere else for next week. But okay. We'll see. Are we ready to begin? Suppose. Yes, I suppose. New rules are still implemented. If you buzz in, this applies to, I guess, both of you, but more of a refresher for Greg. You buzz in, and the question's not done being read. We will stop asking the question, and you have to give an answer. Capiche? Got it. Okay, here we go. Question number one. And if you're paying attention to Husker football practice, you know why this question was asked. <laughs> Name half or four of the eight scholarship players on the Nebraska football team from the state of Georgia? Ooh, Greg. Greg? Greg. Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin. That is correct. Gabe Irvin from Buford, Georgia. Greg's going to play. How about Miles Farmer? Show me Miles Farmer. Bingo. He was the one asked about this question and about some of his teammates from Georgia and uh, rattled off a couple of names. That's where we're going with this. All right. Uh, Quentin Newsom. Show me Quentin Newsom. That is the first one out of Miles Farmer's mouth in that cut. You need one more. Hmm. Getting a little tougher now. Those are the guys that came to mind quickly. Um, Still three strikes to work with. Jackson Hanna. Jackson Hanna? Jackson Hanna from Louisiana. (laughs) Or Tennessee. Maybe he was Tennessee. Or Tennessee. So somewhere down in the south. Somewhere not in Georgia. Austin will jump on that. He was from Memphis or Nashville, wasn't he? 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I had the wrong so Southern State there. Um, still a decent pool to players, pull right? from. Yes, yes. There, are, there are two players, walk-ons. Right? Two walk-ons Ooh. from Georgia. We are not counting them. Okay, so walk-ons don't count. Okay, correct. Um, Jackson Hanna from Nashville confirmed. There you go, Nashville. All right. Um, Ronald Tompkins. Hmm. How about Ronald Tompkins? <laughs> Correct. From Grayson. The same high school that produced Mo Berry. The others, if you were curious, freshman Malik Williams, Marquise Black, Sean Hardy. The other big one I thought might have been the first one. couple of them aren't here yet. Yeah, and I thought the, the first one out of your mouth, Greg, was going to be Caleb Tan. Yeah, that was the first one. That was the one I had written down, so I... My, I was so, having trouble thinking of Tompkins, but then I thought of Caleb Tanner right away. Yes. So Greg wins the category, up one nothing. All right. All right, on to question two, sticking with Husker sports, but Husker volleyball underway in the NCAA tournament. I want you guys to name the five Husker volleyball players with the most career postseason kills. Josh. Josh in first. Lauren Stiverens. Show me Lauren Stiverens. <laughs> Can you read the question again? Name the five Husker volleyball players oh. with the most career postseason. So kills. it doesn't have to be on the current team. Correct. All time. Oh, okay. How about Michaela Fecky? Michaela Fecky. And how many do I? I, I guess I get no choice. More. I got to play it. All right, Jordan Larson. Show me Jordan Larson. Sarah Pavin. Sarah Pavin. You are three for five. <laughs> um, Lexi Sun. How about Lexi Sun? Not that high yet. That is strike one <clears throat> with two answers left. I can't believe Lawrence Difference isn't on that list either. That was a great guess. That would have been first. Uh, losing of. last year's postseason kind of knocks them down. Well, and I misunderstood the question. I thought it was on the current team, but. Um. Wow. How many strikes do I have? One strike. You got two strikes left and two answers left. Two left, two answers left. Okay. Um, Kelsey Robinson. How about oh, she was a Kelsey Robinson? Dang it! Not on the list. Two strikes left. For reference, you have hitters one, two, and four. Give me jazz sweet. How about Jazz Sweet? Has she made enough sweet music in the tournament? She has not. You think about Jazz, she's missed a postseason and only halfway through another, so she's really only had... Well, now you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Two answers left. Josh, chance to steal. Can you tell me what has been said so far? Greg has guessed Michaela Fecky, Sarah Pavin, and Jordan Larson correctly. Incorrect guesses include Lauren Stiverens, Lexi Sun, Kelsey Robinson, and Jazz Sweet. 
All right. Um, I don't know if she played enough seasons, but I'll go with Christina Hotelling. About Christina Hotelling. Also not on the list. As I pull it up on Huskers.com, they only gave the top five. So the two that were missed, Nancy Metcalf at number three, and Allison Weston at number five. I should have guessed Nancy Metcalf. So Greg up to nothing. All right, Josh, you need to get on the board here. All right. Question number three. Carlos Rodon threw a no-hitter for the White Sox last night. Name four other White Sox pitchers. Josh. Lucas Giolito. Oh, Josh in first. (laughs) There you go, Josh. Gave you one. Yeah, Lucas Giolito. Giolito. Josh is correct. (laughs) I'll play. Um, Josh is playing. How's this game played again? (laughs) So the question is four other White Sox pitchers to throw a no-hitter. Just, no, no just on, four the team, other White on the team, oh. on the this current team. roster. Yes. Oh. Um, Aaron Bummer. Show me Aaron Bummer. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Um, Yon Moncado. Yon Moncado. <laughs> he is a third baseman. We are looking oh, for pitchers. 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 I yes. thought you said players. No, um, pitchers. Pitchers for the White Sox. Um, um, I... All these pitchers currently listed as wearing number 42 on right. the White Sox yeah, active that roster right now. That doesn't now. help me out at all. Um, yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I'll just throw out Mark Burley. Is Mark Burley still on the roster? <laughs> Fortunately, he is not. Also threw a no-hitter. That he did. Sure did. I think who else is on that? You need two of the 11 left with one strike. Um. Hmm. Oh. I will say, too, this is not like the Utah Jazz question. I right. <laughs> No, this one's fine. Five or six I, of these guys to be named. I also, should know. Speaking of the Utah Jazz, don't say Bogdanovich. That would get you an incorrect buzzer. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does not have any more brothers that play, play professional baseball in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm running out. I feel like I should know. Uh, there's a guy that just – like it's his first season with the team, and I can't remember. Don't who give it away is. too much if you don't I know, know who he is. <laughs> um, we'll go with Liam Hendricks. Show me Liam Hendricks. Yes, former Robo. Good That's what I was going for. Um, yeah, I don't know. Free agent signed from the Oakland A's. Twins haven't played the White Sox yet this year, so I haven't watched. And the Royals, I think, and the Royals and just, just had, got done so. with them. Yeah, Greg's probably 
if you watched any of the, those games, knows a couple of them. Right. That's what I'm... You only need one more. I know. I'm trying to think. This is difficult. I feel like I should have a much better clue of who they have. There are there are two left that you definitely know I, who yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm feel pretty pretty dumb right now, but I'm glad I got Aaron Bummer. That would have been a bad miss if I hadn't gotten him. I was gonna only do three, but with Bummer on the list, I extended it to four because <laughs> that's that's one that yeah. you guys both should have got. Um, mm. I don't. I. I'm coming up blank. Just buzz me, Austin. I'm taking long enough. Buzzer for the third strike? Yeah. You're going to do it? You're going to go down looking? I guess. Yeah. I All right. I feel like I'm, yeah, taking too long. Oh. Greg for right, a 3-0 Greg. lead here. No clue. Oh, oh Jay- really? Jason Marshall. Jason Marshall. There is Bring an Evan Marshall. Oh. Evan, the case tater. Where's he yeah. at? He's in he's in he he's at? at the White Sox. Yeah, he's Close. a case tater. So the two you should have gotten are Lance Lynn yeah. and Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. That's who I was trying to think of. Oh. I knew I was like thinking lefty. I was trying to talk through it in my head without talking out loud because I was trying to think right. of his name. Dang it. I knew so that Josh case tater the was there, but I didn't know his first name. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, darn. Well, that was a slobber knocker of a category, but we are now in a 2-1 game. Greg is still in the lead as we head to question number four today. Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball, as alluded to earlier on the show. So Jackie Robinson's number retired for every Major League Baseball team. We're broadening the scope for this question. Name the five professional sports teams with the most retired jersey numbers. Josh. Josh in first. I will say the New York Yankees. New York Yankees. They are indeed in the top five. I'll play, I suppose. Um, The Boston Celtics. About the Boston Celtics. That Northeast Corridor treating you well. You got the top two, Josh. All right. Uh, The Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers. So this, this is the top four, top five, top five uh, professional sports franchises, yes. like the big four. So we're talking Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, and NBA. We are indeed. All right. Um, what about the Green Bay Packers? The Green Bay Packers. Oh. Not on the list. Two strikes with three answers remaining. Yeah, it's a broad scope, as you said. Um, maybe the Cubs? How about the Northsiders? Pretty, pretty good guesses, Josh. Not going to lie. Kudos on the guesses. Not good enough. Fortunately, not enough to sweep the category, giving Greg... One shot for the category. So three chances. He's got the Yankees and the Celtics, right? Yes, yep. they have the most. He has one and two off the board. Give me the Cincinnati Reds. Hmm. That's a good guess. About the Cincinnati Reds. Oh. It is not. I'm we curious were, to know. <laughs> we were done with Major League Baseball. Oh. We were done 
with professional basketball. Number three NHL. on the list, the Montreal Canadiens with yeah. 15. And then tied at 14 apiece, a pair of NFL franchises, the Bears and the Football Giants. Huh. Shouldn't have gone away from the NFL so quick, but I figured the Packers would have been the leader. All right, so 2-2 right. game. Wow. I might I might receive hate mail with this question, oh, but <laughs> from who? From me? From both of you. Both of you. <laughs> but I feel like you're you're both in the same conundrum Pass. here. So yeah. All right, here <laughs> we go. To six. Lamarcus Aldridge retires oh, today with an illustrious NBA career. Name the five oldest players in the NBA. Oh goodness. Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> um, you have all heard of all of these players. I mean, yeah, but. Josh, I suppose. Okay, Josh. Is Kevin Love still playing? Kevin Love? Still playing. He is still playing. He's not old enough. Not quite on the list. How about Carmelo Anthony? That's a good one. Show me Melo. Yeah. You bet. 36 years old and still trucking with the Portland Trailblazers. Greg, you're playing. LeBron James. Yeah. Show me LeBron. Yes, sir. Also 36 years of age. Okay, Greg, I'll help you out here. So Melo and LeBron, both 36. They're three and five. LeBron is technically the youngest of this group. Of the batch, yeah. Hmm. (laughs) There's a lot of teams to go through here. Uh, (laughs) 30 of them to be exact. Okay, and I will say two of these guys should probably be guessed if you had enough time to think about it. One of them I'll be surprised if you get. All right. How about Rajon Rondo? Oh. Rajon Rondo. Good guess, Greg. Yeah, really uh, that's good. one of the guys that I thought of. Just so you know, I did this list by myself uh, earlier and got three of the five before I looked it up. JJ Redick. Hmm. Show me JJ Redick. Nice. The Dookie is still on there. They Pelicans tried to trade Redick with all their might at the trade deadline. He wasn't really playing many minutes, and then they were giving him like 18 minutes a night. Still no suitors, so he is still on the. I Pelicans. figured Austin would want to. I believe he is actually traded to Dallas because he wanted to be traded to. The Did Nets. they get rid of? They end up getting rid of him. I, I believe they sent him to traded Dallas. Traded him for a double Gatorade that, towels. Kyle Korver still hanging around the league. Show me Kyle Korver. He is not. He's not hanging around the he league. And no one's hanging around that, that great program right that now. That was a get, one that I had written down. So I'm glad you took care of that one, Greg. Two strikes for Greg. I, the guy, I have one other one written down, and I know it's not going to be right, so don't worry about Um, Wow. So if we got the number one, the oldest guy in the league? missing the top two. There? Missing the oh, two man. old ones. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I would have thought Mello would have been one of the top two. Yeah. Um, one of these guys, you'll go, yeah, absolutely. He is older than Mello. Bradley Beal. Show me Bradley Beal. All right. No dice. All right, Josh. Pretty sure that this guy has hung it up, but I know that he was the oldest player for a while or one of the oldest players for a while. Um, How about Vince Carter? Show me VC. 
just retired last year yeah. would have undoubtedly been the oldest player in the NBA. Good guess. The two you did not get, Andre Iguodala okay. played for an NBA championship last year yeah. with Miami. No. And the oldest player still around in the NBA, Udonis Haslam, at 40 years of age. All right. I don't feel bad also about with not the heat. naming those guys. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Miami Iguodala, I thought, I thought you guys might pull just because he's been I in the... Don't... Yeah, he's been in a bunch of... Ch- I just didn't think of him being that old, but yeah, I guess yeah, he is. Yeah, I suppose. All right, All right, Greg, three to two. Three to two. Josh needs us to stay alive. Greg looking to put it away. Wide receiver, a position of intrigue for Nebraska the last couple of years. That's where we go with question at number six. Name the last five individuals to lead Nebraska in receiving yards. Greg. Greg's in. Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson. The most recent. I'll play. Okay. Give me J.D. Spielman. J.D. Spielman. Stanley Morgan. Stanley a Morgan. Three of the five. Brandon Riley. About Brandon Riley. Jordan Westerkamp. About Westy. <sighs> One um, left, two strikes. Man, if I just would have named Evan Marshall instead of Jason Marshall, I would have had that. This <laughs> thing would be over. Um, <sighs> Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell. There is the bell. That'll do it. Nailed it. That it? Yeah. That's it. Greg, those are fair questions. What? Those were fair questions. The hard ones did not favor any one player, so I felt like they were fair. Yeah. I knew that K-State kid was on the White Sox staff. I just didn't remember his first name. Yep. But, yeah. First name haunted Josh Josh. last matchup. (laughs) Lance Lynn we should have got. That's ridiculous. I watched him pitch against the Royals last weekend, too. Yeah, Shut and Dallas down. Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel's pitched there the last couple of years. That just is one you just block up and you can't think of that staff at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a little hacked off we don't get to answer question seven. I thought it was a pretty good Hold question. Hold on to it. I'm not sure how Hold timely it, it is, but we'll leave it on there. <laughs> yeah. Greg's up one nothing. Right. Congrats to Greg. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm gonna make him an offer he can with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what's on everybody's screens. Ben? We're still stuck in neutral on our show instead of the third straight week saying where we're at. We'll just play a clip and let people decide for themselves. So here you go. I have a secret that I want to share with you. A single strand of hair is all it takes to be matched with the one person that you are genetically guaranteed to fall in love with. Right now, you're selling me a fairy tale. This will change relationships and dating forever. They won't ever be the same again. She's reckless. 
sooner or later one of those stunts gonna blow up. Police came to see me. There's going to be an investigation. We're here to establish how a man died. She's a committed suicide. Do you believe her? I don't know what to believe anymore. True love. Isn't that what we all want? Yes! We deserve the fairy tale. So there you go. Um, go watch it. What's it <laughs> called? You'll, 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 the one. You'll be caught, us, caught up to us in no time. <laughs> <laughs> The one. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch that. Sounds good. Okay, Josh. All right. Um, I'm still on season two of Survivor. We've also started watching through, just kind of casually on in the background, Scrubs is a show that we've both watched before <laughs> and uh, love it. It's hilarious. And it, I've watched it through a couple times now. And, uh, yeah, still the jokes are still funny. It's kind of a quirky, different uh, sitcom that I love it. Okay, Austin. Yeah, so still going through Criminal Minds uh, every so often, some guys grocery games for levity. And earlier in the week, the wife and I sat down to watch a movie called Into the Woods. It's more of a musical style. It combines about 18 different fairy tales, and I am completely lost. I still don't exactly know how they're <laughs> tying everything together. It was, it was one the wife picked, and I'm enjoying watching it with her. I wouldn't have chosen it myself, but... Beyond the fact that I'm lost, I'm still confused as to how all these fairy tale characters know each other and got <laughs> put in the same spot. You know, it is it is a nice, easy, simple, you know, kind of late night chill watch if you don't try to think too much about it. You you made it farther than me. I get too pissed when I watch a show and don't know what's going on. I, I fold up <laughs> my lawn chair and go home. <laughs> Who was I, watching Nomadland or Nomadland? Nomadland, that was me. What did you like it or not? Um, I, I wish it had more of a point. It just kind of seemed like an hour and a half of going nowhere for what yeah. it was. This one woman's journey of self-discovery, it was fine, but nothing nothing earth-shattering. Yeah, critics loved it, but I've talked to some other people that just didn't think it was that good. So It's a that's Tim Curran movie. You said enough right there. <laughs> hey, buckle up. Put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I'm still I'm into season two of The Ranch, just laughing my head off when I watch that show. Also, I've seen three episodes now of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. It's really good. I think they're maybe tomorrow dropping the last episode of, of that season. I'm a couple of behind, but uh, it's really good. I've, I've been enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, that's about, about all I've had on the screen here in the last week. A lot of baseball coming my way, so hard to get on a whole lot more. It's going to do it for the week for us here on Sports Sunday Baseball tomorrow night from Penn State. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Austin, and to all of you. We'll join you again tomorrow night with Nick Hanley for Husker Baseball, 430 pregame, 5 o'clock, first pitch from State College. Good night.